Welcome back to another episode of the Resetting Stewart Podcast. He's Antonio Rosetti. I'm Justin Stewart. We're coming from you from the Center for Media Innovation here at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh. Just a reminder before we get started, you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Google. Find our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search the Rosetti and Stewart Podcast. Um, check out some of our past episodes, especially with the ones we have we've had guests on. The most one of our most recent episodes was the Iron Eagle interview. Um, play-by-play man for NFL, NBA, March Madness, the whole nine yards. That was a fun interview to do. Uh, I also just posted recently an interview with Hannah Mears. I kind of mentioned that in, in previous episodes, but I finally got around to doing it and posting it, so that's up as well. I'm um, listening to our past interviews, whether it's A.J. Woods, uh, One Way Out, uh, Joe Klimchak, uh, pretty much anyone. Just uh, go on our podcast page, Spotify, wherever that may be that you listen to our podcast, and just uh, play those. They're all pretty good interviews. Um, I'm not just saying it because I'm on the podcast myself, but I thoroughly enjoyed all of them and uh, just getting to know these people a little bit better. And um, with that, though, out the way, uh, Tony, how you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I just uh, just been... Yeah, picked up a stick time earlier today. Just played some hockey. Not nothing special. Uh, just got my legs going and stuff like that. And I've taken it easy. Didn't too much. Didn't do too much on the Fourth of July. But yeah, how about you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I um I actually was here yesterday as well doing like, like a weekly meeting for like my internship. And um I actually ran into someone you know, uh, Elizabeth Perry. Yeah. I guess that 2.0. She was like, when we were doing the, the lecture part. She like sat at the table with me and we were, we were just conversing back and forth. And then like, she was, Oh, do you have a sports podcast? I was like, Oh, I might, I might have one. Why? He's like, Oh, do you know? I was like, do you know Antonio? Rose? He's like, oh yeah, of course. So yeah, that was, that was, no, she's pretty, uh, pretty chill though. And, um, she does have a weird sense of humor, but no, she's cool for the most part. So I just wanted to throw that out there for you too. But otherwise though, I write, uh, I write for that paper. You do. I do. I write for two papers. You do. You, you are a very busy man. You know, you do this, you have your other job too. And then you do that stick time. Um, I don't know how you've managed to uh, fit all that in though, but you do. And, um, you know, I guess the grind never stops in the Rossetti household. That's all I could say. It doesn't. Nope. No days off. <sighs> no, no days, days off. off. Yeah. But yeah. I'm going to get right into it. Quick Go hitter right here. Ty Domi's son. Okay, well, let's talk about Ty Domi first. For those of you who uh, watch hockey, I'm sure you're familiar with the goon, Ty Domi. Played early to late 90s, early 2000s, up until like about 05, 06. I remember watching him play as a kid. Uh, he's known for, uh, so there was a fan, threw water on him, and then he threw water back at him, and he grabbed the fan and pulled him over the penalty box, pulled him into the penalty box. I heard outside of it, Ty Domi's a really good guy, though, too. But he was just a goon on the ice. And, yeah, I mean, you just get competitive when you're out there. But that's besides the point. We're talking about, you know, right here, the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, a franchise that hasn't won in a long time, but they're a renowned franchise, obviously an original six team. Following in the footsteps of his dad, they got a pretty solid player in Max Domi. So I just wanted to say it's going to be interesting to see another Domi. And, uh, yeah, it's my quick hitter, just uh, someone following in that footsteps. Uh, it's pretty cool to see. And, uh, yeah, I hope I hope he wears, is allowed to wear number 28 and stuff. Hopefully no one – as of right now, I don't think anyone has 28 for the Maple Leafs. So hopefully he, he picks that number because that would be pretty cool to see another Domi out there for Toronto. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, my quick hitter, um, we might talk about it in the podcast, but I figured I'd bring it up now. 
Um, if you guys are aware, the MLB draft is this Sunday, the first two rounds, I believe. And um, there's been a lot of speculation about what the Pirates should do at one. And um, for the longest time, probably going back for a year, oh, Dylan Cruz, he's the guy, he's the guy. And I still feel that way. Um, but, you know, Paul Skeens had a really great year at LSU. Uh, he was probably the best pitcher in college baseball. No, no, not probably he was. It was by a long shot. And um, just reading a lot of articles, people have him as the next great pitching prospect. One of the best pitching prospects since Steven Strasburg back in 2010, 2009. And um, quite frankly, um, I, I'm not big on drafting pitchers um, just because the Tommy John factor. I mean, I know that's not really – not really like a really good excuse or a reason not to draft someone because he is super talented and he could be up here hypothetically very quickly. He might not be in the minors very long, but this is the pirates we're talking about. So like it's that, that theory might not apply to the pirates. I'm just saying, but I mean, my whole point is like you have Wyatt Langford too from Florida. Yeah. He's another really good outfielder and you have Max Clark. Uh, those are pretty much the consensus top four prospects. Max Clark is another outfielder, but he's still in high school, and he does have a an offer to get at Vanderbilt next year. All I'm saying all this is to say that the Pirates fans, while I do agree with most people that Cruz should be the pick, like I think you should prepare yourself and get ready for the fact that it might not be Cruz. It might not even be Skeens either. It might be like a Wyatt Langford or Max Clark. I know it's really unpopular to say, and I would really be against making – especially Max Clark, and it's not like anything against Max Max Clark. I'm, by all accounts, he has the potential to be really good as well. But, I mean, guys in this draft, the Pirates, where, where they need to be thinking is they need to be looking at guys that can come up really quick because their window, I put that in quotation marks, I think fits more in lines with a Skeens or a Cruz, even a, a Wyatt Langford because they're a little bit older and they shouldn't, in theory, take a while to get it going in the minors. But for me, it, it comes down to the two LSU guys. I think those need to be the picks. I still like lean towards Cruz. Um, you, you need a bat in that lineup. I mean, guy, guys that can has power, can drive in runs, play solid defense. I think Cruz fits the mold. Also, you know, the Pirates – if you draft a Dylan Cruz, or not a Cruz, but a Paul Skeens, you put him in the front end with Mitch Keller and, you know, whoever else they have, uh, Quinn Priester, uh, Solomento, those kind of guys, those guys in the minors still. I mean, you have you have a legit, like, one-two punch there based off uh, potential and projections. So I think all in all, I wouldn't be mad if they drafted Skeens over Cruz. I know that, that might be, like, an unpopular take, but – Cruz to me, like it needs to be one of those two guys. It can't be anyone else. And um I think regardless the concern obviously is Skeens. Like you don't know pitchers sometimes it it doesn't take much for them to get Tommy John nowadays. Nowadays we just saw it with Kumar Rocker a couple of years ago. Um not once again another great pitching prospect. Um the Mets drafted him, didn't end up did not signing him. The Rangers drafted him the following year and now you know had a couple good good starts was getting his foot foot wheat wheat his foot wet in the minors and um now he has tommy john surgery so that's a big blow and that that that's the the risk you take drafting a pitcher who throws hard too didn't even mention that at all he's a flamethrower 100 miles per hour but i mean i don't know i think as far as potential goes Skeens is a lot higher 
But I think if you want a safe bet in the guy, I, the guy you think is going to be very good for 15 years, I think the pick has to be Dylan Cruz. But that, that's just my opinion. That's my quick hitter. Yeah, uh, I, I'd like to go right into there. Uh, so I think like when you're looking at the top three prospects, especially if you watch like a lot of the, the tournament this year, like Wyatt Langford and Dylan Cruz stole the show. And But I also think like Muskeen's too, like he's another pitcher too. He, he's I think any of these players are a number one pick. Like I, I really think that this top of the draft is really deep this year. So I think as long as the Pirates take one of those three, um, I know like you were saying Max Clark, but like when you think Vanderbilt baseball, I just think off the top of my head like David Price, uh, you know Pedro Alvarez, Swanson. So like I, you can never go wrong with like a Vanderbilt recruit. But if you had to ask me, like those top three, those top three players, I think like they just need to take one of those three seriously and. Uh, yeah, uh, who's who's the fourth guy? Walker Jenkins. Yeah, Walker too. Jenkins. I don't really yeah. know too much about him, so that's why I didn't speak much. Yeah, but, but uh, so but yeah, my my thing is though, uh, I think like the top five, including Walker Jenkins, like it, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty deep like first round. If you look at the numbers, like Dylan Cruz and Wyatt Langford, obviously Dylan Cruz. If you look at his numbers, I mean they're absolutely nuts. But then if you look at Wyatt Langford's, they're not much different. He batted three seventy three with twenty one homers this year. I mean it was an absolute stud for Florida. Uh, Dylan Cruz, my dad and I were actually just talking about it. He's like almost like a right handed Harper the way he plays and stuff like that. So like I I really think that like these top three players like even if you look at the draft where in twenty twenty one where Henry Davis was taken, they're putting up better numbers than Henry Davis, and he was like batting well over 300 had 15 home runs in college and these players are actually managing to have better numbers and they both made it to the pinnacle of college baseball at the college world series so i mean yeah in omaha like dylan cruz and wyatt langford i mean the one game was 24 to 4 these these players can hit and uh yeah so i think what we're getting in this could be a hot take but i think like if you just look at numbers and then just the eye test and how these players play this is a really like like the top five i I think this draft's legit and i think that as long as the pirates just like stay the course and take one of the three and like it's not going to be make or break but if i had to pick it'd probably be dylan cruz but the whole scott boris this is agent thing is kind of like concerning so but like that being said i think wyatt langford would be a good bat to add in the lineup because he has insane pop as well and skeens too like good pitcher right there i mean pirates honestly probably need pitching more than they need outfield depth but for me i just think that they like like justin said they probably need a bat more than a pitching but Overall, the Pirates just need everything. So I just take the best player available um, other than, you know, a catcher because you have Andy and Henry Davis. But Henry Davis isn't allowed to he's play a, catcher because right Austin he's Hedges. A, he's not a catcher. Yeah. He's a right fielder. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's just like you have a guy that has almost a 7 ERA up in the big leagues and you have, like, your top prospect catcher playing right field. That's all I got to say about their franchise right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, if honestly, I would say – in theory, he would need both. You need both those players, Skeens and Cruz. I think they would both help tremendously. But this isn't the NBA draft. You can't like acquire picks in the future. Like you're stuck with a one first rounder. But I mean, I honestly like like I said, Skeens. The really major concern is he throws hard, and guys that throw hard usually don't last as long. Uh, just ask Steven Strasburg. But I mean, 
I, it can be proven wrong. I mean, there is a track record out there that guys, you know, play longer uh, if they throw hard. It's just, you know, uh, he has he didn't really pitch much either before college, so he does have that going for him, so his arm isn't as taxed like as someone that may be thrown hard in high school. But, I mean, the point still remains. He's just as likely or has a chance to have Tommy John than any other pitcher, uh, regardless of how hard you throw. But, I mean, Dylan Cruz, to me, I think um, – I would draft him. Uh, he's he's a guy that's like a, a middle of the lineup bat. Um, you have him. If you draft him, you would pretty much, in theory, like solidify your outfield for the future. Uh, you would have him, Reynolds, and Sawinski, and I think that that's a pretty good outfield for the most part. Now, the dilemma you would run into if you did that was, what would you do with Henry Davis and Andy Rodriguez, a catcher? I mean, I think that's one of those things where um, – I would maybe move Henry Davis to first base and and then have Rodriguez be the catcher or vice versa have Rodriguez play the outfield or the infield because he is a he is a, he can play second base and outfield I believe uh Andy Rodriguez but he's primarily a catcher but I mean I think those are problems you want to have because that shows you that your 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 farm system has depth and it has talent and you have interchangeable uh, pieces to switch out and uh, it just makes your team more versatile and I think you know the whole point of this conversation is like even Wyatt Langford I mean you can't really go wrong with the top three picks just don't do nothing like out of the box like a draft like a Jacob Wilson well even Jacob Wilson listen I mean he was before this like calendar year he was like a, a, a a hot pick for being uh, a hot what's what's the term like a a dark horse, that's the term I'm looking for. A dark horse for being a number one overall pick. And, you know, Jacob Wilson, Jack Wilson, that's his uh that's his father. So there's talent there. I mean, I'm sure there's upside with Jacob Plus, Wilson. He as was well. in a similar like uh, conference and division as like Nick Gonzalez for New Mexico State. Yeah, well, I mean, he's at Grand Canyon, which Grand is like Canyon. yeah. But I mean, like I just I just don't want them to go somewhere like really crazy. Do like pull like a Daniel Moscos, do something really stupid like that. Don't do that. Like it's just Take the best player or one of the best players available. This isn't rocket science. You have three, four, maybe five really good options to choose from. Just don't make it harder than it needs to be. And um, listen, I, I understand the fan, the fan perspective of it because like we've had the Pirates have had a lot of really bad drafts over the past thirty years. I'm well aware of that. But I mean, I think in this instance with this year. I think you have to like cut them some slack uh, regarding who they pick with the number one pick. Um, there's not really a bad option, like the top five choices, really. So you know, either way, like it's it's part of like brainwashing. Fans are going to convince themselves that Dylan Cruz is like Ken Griffey Jr. or Barry Bonds, and I think he he has a chance to be an All Star caliber player. Don't get me wrong, but it's the same thing with uh, Paul Skeens. Oh, he's going to be like Randy Johnson. It's just like. Like sometimes you just have to like dial it back and just um, not like get too high or low on certain players and picks just because you read like something that they did on Twitter. So that's my like way too long quick hitter for you on the MLB draft this upcoming weekend. Yeah, and I have one more thing to add too. Okay. Like a lot, it's like with Tommy John. So obviously, like when you see Jordan Hicks, he blew his arm out twice because how hard he throws. But sometimes it could be just like. Not even how you throw. It could just be maybe how you stretch or, you know, just, like, your form and stuff. Because people have had, like, hitters have had Tommy John. Like, Carl Crawford had Tommy John. Corey Seegers had Tommy John. 
Bryce Harper, and they're not throwing as hard as they can. So, like, it's more than just throwing hard. It could sometimes just be a freak thing. So, yeah, that just, that's just my, like, quick take on it, though. No, that's fair. I mean, it's it's not it's not exclusive to like uh, uh, how hard you throw. It's not. There's a lot more guys into it though. But uh, if you throw hard, you are at greater risk from getting Tommy John. But it doesn't mean you're gonna get it though. So, I mean, that's that's all I want to talk about for the draft. As far as I'm concerned, if you want to add anything else, I mean, you're free to do so. No, yeah, that's all I got for. It, but we could go like. We could go to NBA or we could stay in the MLB. I mean, I think we should stay in baseball, though. We can, like, switch the basketball. You want my take real quick? Uh, sure. Atlanta's the best team in baseball right now. Uh, that's a hot take. Not really. Yeah. It's, like, um, it's it's pretty obvious. Like, the team's 58-28. and 28. They're 30 games over. Uh, here's, like, some quick stats for you. So, they uh, have 166 home runs, which is on pace to break the Twins, uh, which is they're actually supposed to shatter it by, like, what they're on pace for. Uh, they're leading. They're tied for first with the Rangers and average as well. Uh, they're third with 470 RBIs as a team, and then even in pitching, they have a 3.63 ERA, which is third in the whole league, and 808 strikeouts was the fifth. When you think about it, though, you have Bryce Elder, Spencer Strider, and Charlie Morton. If you add another, you know, starter, that team's going to be dangerous. Uh, and then if you just look at like the team as a whole, you have Matt Olson. He's up to 29 home runs. Ozzie Elbies, arguably the best second baseman in baseball right now. He has 22 home runs right now. He just had two against Cleveland. Acuna, he has 21 and 21 home runs, 41 stolen bases, uh, over one OPS. And he's batting 337 right now. He's literally running away with the NL MVP right now. And then you have two catchers and Sean Murphy, Travis Darno. Murphy's batting over 300. Uh, talk about turning your season off for Marcelo Zuna. You have Michael Harris, who has not up to nine home runs now, who really started to slow after coming back from injury. And then you have Eddie Rosario, too, who's having flashbacks of his year when he hit 32 home runs for the Twins back in 2019. And he was also on the team that broke the home run record, and now he's on the team that's on pace to do that. He has 14 home runs this year. He's on pace to hit almost 30, which would be you know his second-best year home run-wise. So right now, I mean, you just got a lineup just filled with power. And let's just say uh, Eddie Rosario falls off. Let's just say Sean Murphy doesn't get another home run for a month you got all these players on this team that could that could pick up the slack they just have so much depth Michael Harris is not a nine hitter on any team but the Atlanta Braves and he was batting ninth against Cleveland the other day so that's all I gotta say about the Braves right now this team is the World Series team and I think at the trade deadline they're gonna make some moves for a reliever I mean their bullpen's already solid I mean you already have I mean so it just I think if they could just add like a little bit more, like other than Minter at the back end of that bullpen, and uh, I think they have uh, Rysel Iglesias too in the back end. Yes. He's their closer right now. He's actually having a pretty solid year. So if they could just, but I think they need to add another piece in the bullpen, add another piece in the starter. Your hitting's fine. This team, I think, could run away with the World Series, depending on how they make their deadline moves. Yeah, I mean, just to mention it, um, the second-best team in baseball, you can probably argue, is the Tampa Bay Rays. They, they play this weekend three-game series between them and the Rays, uh, the Redmen, them and the Braves. So that could be a World Series preview for you early in the season or a middle of the season to be exact. But just like the Braves, like they've really – the way they're set up long-term, not only this year, like we all know they're trying to win now, but – they're gonna be good probably five years from now still because like they're they're super young, 
I, they're I, all locked up too. I, Elbies, yeah, Acuna. I mean, Sean Murphy's only twenty eight. Matt Olson's only twenty nine. Albies is only twenty six. Acuna's only twenty five. So they're Albies and Acuna. They're not even like in their prime yet. They're still like relatively young. And they're this is the, the the way they've built their team, and their pitchers are young too. Like their starting pitching is, they have some guys that are very young. They're, they're probably gonna be good for the next five to ten years. I would not be surprised if they went like on a run like like they did with the early nineties to early two thousand teams where they were good for like ten to fifteen years straight. Like I think the Braves can they should be probably the, the division favorites every year until further notice, honestly, because their team is that good. Um, they're they're head and shoulders the best team in in, ba- in the National League. I'm not gonna go baseball because Tampa Bay. I think they've they've had a good year too, but I mean they're, they're right now they're definitely the best team. I can't argue that. And that lineup, like RC one, has this All Star too. I forgot to mention. Yes, that. he's having a career year. Shout out to former Pirate yes, Jesse Chavez too. Jesse Chavez, but I mean and Charlie Morton too. But I mean like yeah, they're 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 their lineup is nasty. It's the best lineup in baseball too. Best offensive lineup. They're pitching. Has the best ERA in the National League. Um, what's what's there not to like about the Braves? And like you said, probably should maybe add another a back end starter and a, and a guy for the bullpen. But I mean, other other than that, this team has very few flaws, if at all. And I expect them to make a very deep run into the postseason this year. So, yeah, I mean, like, and plus, like, you literally, Swanson leaves, and then Orlando Arcia comes in. Uh, the guy highly touted for Milwaukee. All of a sudden, he's batting over three hundred right now, and like it's just everyone's living up to their potential too, like Acuna and Elbies. And let's not talk, oh, forget about the monstrous month that Olson had. Like it happened last year too. Olson was uh, having a crap ton of doubles to begin the year. Then he heats up, hits all these home runs. Same thing happened this year, and he's up to 29 home runs, which is almost like a league high, not just an NL high. He's only two behind Shohei Otani now. So, I mean, Matt Olson is just absolutely killing it this year. And uh, let's not forget, this guy's also a gold, a former gold glove first baseman too. Uh, the team defensively is really good too, especially with that outfield with Acuna. So just, and I also want to say one more thing about Ozzy Elbies too. I mean, how often do you see a second baseman on pace for 40 home runs? Not only that, though, the, Ozzie Elbies is a switch hitter, too. I mean, how many switch hitting second basemen are there in the league right now? There's not a whole lot. And yet alone, he's hitting home runs on both sides of the plate. And usually it's like, oh, okay, so like, for example, he's, I still like Brian Rounds a lot. He's a good player, but he has nowhere near as much power right handed compared to how he is left handed. That's usually how it goes. For Ozzy Elbies, though, I just feel like it doesn't matter what side of the plate he's on. He's like, it's pretty even distributed. I haven't looked into the splits, but just from the eye test and just watching him play, like, he seems comfortable on both sides. And it seems like, like, no matter what side you put him on, he's gonna, he's gonna take you yards. So, yeah. Uh, Atlanta, they're running away with this division. Uh, as for second place in that division and the wild card teams, I mean, what a shock! I mean, the Miami Marlins right now, Jorge Soler, Luis Arias. I mean, you'd think it'd be Sandy Alcantara who's like, you know, the anchor of the rotation, but like it's really been you know like players like Braxton Garrett and you know Sixto Sanchez and players like that, Jesus Lizardo. So it, it's like for for the Marlins right now, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting, but yeah, um, right now, I mean. They're a much better team than how the Mets are playing, especially with their production. So I wouldn't be shocked if they actually stay the course. Yeah, I think Miami, they've built such a cushion 
with their record, I think they're going to be towards the end. They're, they're going to be in a wild card uh, chase. You mentioned Luis Arias. Uh, he's batting three eighty four. Uh, I don't think he's going to hit four hundred this year. But the fact that you're batting three eighty four this late in the season is still really impressive. Jorge Soler, twenty two home runs uh, before the All Star break. Garrett Cooper, um, you know, putting up solid numbers as your first baseman. I said six to Sanchez. I meant Yuri Perez. I think per, Sanchez yeah, is hurt. Per, yeah, Perez. Yeah, Perez has had a great year. And too. he's only twenty. Twenty years old. Yeah. So Yuri Perez, though, like he's going to be a Cy Young candidate in a couple of years. Right, right, right. I mean, in, in their offense as a whole, like on paper, it's not like awesome. But I mean, you still have Brian De La Cruz. He's had a solid year. Jazz Chisholm was starting to heat up, but he got hurt again. That's kind of a theme. I'm just gonna throw that out there, though. But I mean, he when he does play, he's he's a solid bat. Yeah, they're doing it without him though, which is even crazier. Yeah, I mean, he should not be playing center field. I'm sorry, he's he's an he's an infielder. I mean, that's just my opinion, but whatever. But I mean, their rotation, like you said, if if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that Sandy Alcantara would have almost a five ERA, I would say the Marlins have no shot to do anything. Uh, and yet here they are. You mentioned Lazardo, Braxton Garrett, um, Yuri Perez. You mentioned he's only 20 years old. He has a 2.47 ERA in 10 starts. Their bullpen's pretty solid. That's a team I Talk probably about lefty pitching depth too. Uh, they have a lot of it. Um, uh, you know their bullpen's solid for the most part. Probably need to add another bullpen arm and maybe another starter too. Just another another team if they're trying to you know win this year. But I mean, all in all, the Marlins. I don't think this is a great team, but. You have to give them credit. They're having a great year. They're probably going to make the playoffs, if not be in it till the end, as far as the wild card chase goes. And um, yeah, it's really um, it's it's cool to see because Miami they've kind of been I don't want to say dumpster fire, but they've had a lot of losing seasons uh, in recent memory, really going back post two thousand three, honestly. And um, it's it's good to see like them play really good baseball. They've they've not played this well since probably two thousand three, and that's. 20 years ago so shout out to the Marlins um and yeah I mean I don't think they're a great team like their Pythagorean wins and losses has them like under 500 so maybe there's some regression coming but I mean at the end of the day what matters is wins and losses and they're 14 games above 500 heading into the all-star break and they're and they're in good shape to do damage in the second half so we'll see how that the rest of the NL East goes I mean the Phillies too they start out really slow now they're about seven, eight games over five hundred. They're right there with the Marlins in that wild card race. Don't count them out either. I don't think they're going to win the World Series this year. I'm not going to say that, but I think they're going to be in the mix too. Uh, they're too talented. Their their offense is solid. Um, Nick Castellanos has had a bounce back year. Bryce Harper, uh, hopefully he get he kind of gets it going as far as home runs go because he's kind of low on those right now. Hopefully Trey Turner uh, gets it going too. If those guys can get it going. I mean, yeah, I think they can make make another run, not for, maybe for World Series, but maybe just to make the playoffs. And uh, their rotation, if their guys can pitch as well as they're capable of, Zach Wheeler's, the Aaron Knowles of the world, uh, they're going to be right there too. So the NL East, it's looking like it's going to be like a three-team race as far as like a team's vying for a playoff spot, honestly. So. Yeah, I will say this too. Like before we move on, I move on from the Marlins, and you said that they're not a great team, which I agree. Like. But they have they have depth, and my thing is you don't have to be great to make the playoffs, especially with now there being six teams. And when you look at the outside wildcard teams like the Giants and the Brewers, 
I'd rather the Marlins right now, especially with the production they've had. And the thing is, on top of that, too, they haven't even made any moves yet before, you know, the deadline. Like, we're not even at the All-Star game yet. So, on paper, I mean, we just saw the Brewers play the other night. They're better on paper, the the Miami Marlins. And uh, if you look at the lineup, too, like Jorge Soler and Luis Sarayas, like, there's not, I don't think there's, like, a player on the Giants I take over either one of those players. Like, I know Tyro Estrada, he's had a pretty good year. Casey Schmidt, I mean, Patrick Bailey, Lamont Wade's had a good year. I'll give him that. But, like, yeah, I mean, they have some good players and stuff like that. But, like, if you look at the production of the Miami Marlins, especially that front end of their uh, their rotation, I just think, like, I think they might be able to stay the course here. Um, So, yeah, that's just my thought. And, plus, like, they're in a pretty tough division, too, the Giants. I mean, not not saying that – the Phillies division isn't bad, but like the Mets, they've in the Nationals, they have not been any good right now. So, uh, but yeah, that being said, if you look at the Phillies, Nick Castellanos having a comeback year, um, there's a lot of reasons why they had a slow start. Reese Hoskins is out for the year. Kyle Schwarber's batting under 200 this year. I mean, I know he didn't bat for average last year, but he was at least over 200 last year and had 46 home runs and NL lead. And then you also have Trey Turner, who is having a Jekyll and Hyde year compared to last year. He's starting to heat up a little bit. But, you know, really, the people, Bryson Stott, you know, JT Romuto, uh, he's also ha- not having as good of a year, but he's still solid. And then Alec Bohm's having a pretty solid year. So that's been, like, your top end right there. Um as you can see, though, like they're still in the wild card hunt. I think by the end of the year, I think there's going to be three teams from the AL East. I think the Phillies and the Marlins are going to, you know, make the playoffs this year. There's just too much talent on Philadelphia, and uh, with Miami, it's going to have to be like Jurassic collapse. Like they're they're 14 games over right now. So um, yeah, I just think um, yeah, it's an interesting hunt for the playoffs right now. Um, I think where it's at right now, though, I wouldn't be shocked if it stays there. As for, like, San Diego and the New York Mets, though, like, the Mets, absolute dumpster fire right now. Like, it, it's it's really bad. Like, their bullpen has been terrible this year. Um, they're – it's just, like, players that were sp- supposed to produce just haven't. Like, even Pete Alon- – like, Pete Alonso's close to 30 home runs. But, like, he'll, he's been going on stretches where he just won't hit one or his, he'll, his average will dip. Like, Marte's having a solid year. It's nothing compared to his All-Star year last year. Same with Jeff McNeil. Like, the guy was, you know, I'm pretty sure he won the batting title last year. And this year, I mean, like, complete drop-off this year. Uh, Francisco Lindor, another player. Obviously, the power is there. But, like, this team is just not a high-average hitting team. Even Francisco Alvarez, like, the whole, the whole team as a whole. And then, like, let's not even get into pitching, too. Like, the pitching's just been an absolute mess right now. So, like, if you look at New York Mets, like, they're 40 and 46 right now. They have to jump one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six teams if they want to get into the wild card right now. And that's like, I actually wouldn't be shocked if the New York Mets will be sellers this year at the deadline. I really wouldn't be shocked because, like, right now, especially with the division they're in with the Marlins and Philadelphia well ahead of them, and the Braves, of course, it's not looking good in, in flushing right now, so... No, that's fair. Here's what I'll say though about the Mets and like teams like the Padres, Cubs, Brewers, even the Giants. 
Baseball, it's such a fluid sport. We're not even halfway through, so there's still a ways to go. That's all, that's all I'll say. But I do think the Mets, they've had a bad year. Don't get me wrong by their standards. They have won four in a row. Um, they are playing better baseball. Still not a great team this year. But, I mean, baseball, it's weird, man. Like, you can go, like, if Miami, let's say if Miami or Philadelphia or whoever's in the wild card run goes on a really bad losing streak. I mean, if you get, like, a Milwaukee or San Diego that wins seven or eight in a row, you're right back in it. So, I think while I do agree that Miami is well positioned to make the playoffs this year, I think Philly has to be in consideration as too. I wouldn't count out San Francisco, Milwaukee, even San Diego. San Diego has two talents of a roster to be playing this badly. I'm sorry. They just do. And I think if they can get the pitching going, everyone, Xander Bogart's going, I think they can make a run like they did last year too. The Cubs, I think they're – I don't think they're a great team either, but I think if they can stay around 500 and maybe go get on a hot streak here in August, September – I think you can't count them out either, and I, I even think the Mets, uh, the the Mets especially this this these next couple weeks are gonna be critical for the Mets. If they can play good baseball, maybe they won't sell off all their players. But if they play poorly, I think you will see a situation in which, like you said, they might trade off some of their older players that are on like not great uh, team friendly deals, like a Marte or something like that. But I mean, I think is if the Mets can play, keep winning. I mean. Take care of business in Arizona against the Diamondbacks and uh, win some series here. Uh, they're not. They're, I mean, it's not like a crazy thought to think they could still challenge for a wild card. They're only six and a half games back, which that can be made up in like a week if if a team plays great or bad. Like it doesn't take much. Just ask the Pirates. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean the the NL as far as wild card goes, I think there's like three. There's about eight teams right now that I think they can have. They have a legit shot to like challenge for that spot i would say not to switch gears you can still talk about the nl if you want though but like just heading over to the al i i think it's a little bit more cut and dry i do think the teams that are listed here uh tampa bay texas minnesota baltimore houston and the yankees i do think baltimore and houston are definitely going to be those two wild card teams if not like Texas and Cleveland and Minnesota, they'll they'll interchange with each other as far as wild, wild card spots go. But I mean, Toronto, I mean, you can't count them out either. Boston's hung around despite a lot of a lot of injuries. Boston's still about five hundred. It's pretty impressive. The Angels, to me, I think they're finished now. Now that Mike Trout's out for like a month, two months, um, knowing him, it's probably the season. Um, they just lost Rendon again to another injury. Shohei Otani. Uh, was taken out of the game with a blister injury. Don't know if he'll be able to pitch uh, anytime. Well, he probably will pitch, but we don't know the severity of the injury. And then, like, Seattle, they've had a disappointing year as well. So, you know, it's one of those things, like I said in the NL, you have Seattle and Cleveland about five games back of the wild card. I mean, if those teams get hot, like Seattle got hot late last year too, I mean, they can make a run at another playoff spot. And I do think – the Guardians, they're not out of it either. I mean, that division, uh, the last three teams are not very good. So uh, Minnesota's just kind of above, slightly above 500. So it's it's going to be a neck-and-neck finish between, between the Guardians and Twins as far as that division goes. I mean, the AL, I think I have a clear picture of who's, like, really good and who's, like, not as good. And I think Baltimore and Houston, I think they're definitely making the playoffs this year. Uh, whether the the Yankees or Blue Jays do, um, that remains to be seen. But I mean, that's far. That's my outlook as far as the AL goes, though. So 
Yeah, I do want to go back to just one more comment about the NL. And, like, I agree that you could catch – it's a long season. You can catch heat quick. But, like, with San Diego and, you know, the Mets, like, if you think about it, they're both six and six and a half games out of the pl- – so, like, the thing is, my, my point really is just the fact that you literally have to jump all these teams. So you have to bank on the Phillies, the Giants – and Milwaukee all losing simultaneously while they go on runs. So like it's just it's tough to do in baseball because like yeah, one team can heat up, but it's going to be it's really rare to see three teams not like just fall off a cliff. So I think it's good. I think like it the works really cut out for them, especially with Miami. Like they're they're 10 games ahead of the the, the Mets in the wild card picture right now. And I'm just saying like if if the Mets so they play Arizona. This right. is this is literally make or break because if you if you lose this series, let's just say you lose two to one. You're let's just say um, all of a sudden, what are they forty and forty six? So they'd be forty one and forty eight, and that's like getting close to the All Star break. All of a sudden, like it's 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 not looking good. They might be sellers now, and so that's just my point. There, it's just it's gonna be it, it's make or break right now because if you if you. I know it's just one series. I know it's early in the season, but the trade deadline, like it's less than a month away. So it's like you need to win here because, like, you don't want going into the trade deadline. Like, you want to make sure you're on a roll so you can actually buy. Like how the Pirates were in 2018 when they made that huge mistake. But uh, you guys all know what the mistake was. But yeah, I I think with the AL, it is a lot more clear cut. Um, Baltimore, I mean they're. Let's get real. They're they're a really good baseball team. Like Adley Rutschman having a great year. I mean that outfield with Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, uh, one of the most underrated players in baseball, Austin Hayes as well. He's literally good year in and year out. He's having another good year this year. The team's just loaded with depth right now. Uh, don't forget about my boy Adam Frazier too. Um, so yeah, I mean Adam Frazier has nine bombs already. So yeah, I think Baltimore. They're as close as a lock you can get. They're back into the bullpens, the best in baseball. Don't want to hear anything like from a different team. You literally have Yenier Cano, 121 ERA. Felix Batista, 116 ERA. Like, there's literally not one bullpen in baseball. In fact, th- that back end of the bullpen for the first 80-something games has been the best I've seen in quite some time. So, yeah, that back end of the bullpen it is honestly absolutely filthy uh, especially with you know when you see Felix Batista he's literally 6'8 285 which is just monstrous for you know football yet alone as a baseball pitcher um when it comes down to those last teams uh you got he was saying about the Angels Rendon's been hurt um it just always it always just feels like the same thing over and over again with this team though. It's like can the pitching stay all one sixty two games? And like Sandoval just got rocked not too long ago. Like the pitching always just like somehow takes a dive at the tail end. So I I think like the Angels and the Red Sox would be the odd teams out here. Um I think the Red Sox have a good team, but like I don't think you so see you have Chris Sale and Brian Bello. They're both having great years. But like I just think like I don't know though like I think I think they could still hang in there. It's complicated though because you still have Seattle too. I feel like a Seattle on paper with like Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelnick's having a good year. I mean their rotation's pretty nice. It's gonna I I think if out of those three teams like 
It's going to be a race. It's going to be a race. I can't pick one now. If I had to play it safe, I'd say the Yankees would get in. They just have a lot of firepower, I guess. But, like, who knows? Like, it could really go anywhere from here because, like, Toronto, like, Bo Bichette's having a career year. Vlad's always good. Uh, Whit Merrifield's an all-star this year. So, I I think, like, Toronto's pitching's a little iffy. I think that's what separates them from, you know, the other two teams I mentioned. But, like I said, who knows? Like, Seattle could catch fire. Yankees could catch fire. Like, I don't know. Who do you, who do you think would take that last spot? Like, if I had the pick right now, I'd be the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, like, uh, you, I still have, you still have to consider, like, the Guardians and Twins. I know they're not, like, having great years, but if one of those teams, like, flip-flops, they're, like, all of a sudden, like, in the race, too. So, I'd probably say Yankees. Um or Blue Jays probably. They probably the last two teams though. But I, I just wanted to say something about Mike Trout real quick though. Like I'm just looking at baseball reference. He's averaged seventy nine games played the past three years. I'm including this year as well. And like my point is like it's just like it's it's not all of it's not his fault. I get it. Injuries happen. Like it's not like he did, oh, let me let me get hurt today and miss three months. Like that's no one ever says that. But it's just like frustrating to watch because the guy was pretty durable his first like eight years of his career, oh, and incredibly after, and after twenty and after twenty twenty, he just he just never plays. Like he played thirty six games in twenty twenty one, played one hundred nineteen last year, and you know to his credit, he played almost every game this year. But now he's probably gonna miss. I said it said like forty eight weeks, so at minimum he's gonna miss a month. Realistically, it's probably gonna miss two months, and by then, if the Angels are out of it, they might just shut him down for the season. So. You're talking about him missing pretty much the equivalent of like maybe like a season and a half, really. If you like roughly, not exactly, but if if he does end up not coming back this year, you're talking about him missing equivalent of a season and a half to injury. That's just really tough, man. And then like once again, it just puts pressure on Shohei Otani to like to perform night in and night out, have to pitch every fifth day, and then have him hit all those home runs. Like it's just like it's asking a lot. And I think. The Angels, like, th- they try to win. Like, I, I always see it. They, they don't do – they don't try to – they they do try – they just do a horrible job of trying to win. Like, they just – their pitching's never great. Their offense is, like – it's it's good, but it's it's too reliant on Shohei Otani and Mike Trout a lot of times. And, like, I think, once again, we're going to see it with Shohei Otani. Like, like he's going to have to pitch great every fifth day, and he's going to have to drive in runs every other four days. Like, it just – if – I just don't see them staying afloat now, especially if you lose Trout and Rendon. Like that, those those are two big bats, and yeah, I mean you're paying Anthony Rendon all this money not to play at all. Like he's he he's barely played with his contract with the Angels. I think he's getting paid like forty million dollars a year. I think his first year he played like out of sixty games he played like fifty three, but outside of that year, um, let me look real quick. Yeah, he played fifty two out of sixty in twenty twenty, which is you know okay, but if we look. He's played 58 games in 2021, 47 in 2022, 43 in 2023. So I mean, but like on top of that too, when he does play, like look at his numbers. No, he's, he's, not, he's not good. He's he, just not. He's, it, it, he's, like when you so I, I was in 2019. Like if you take if you take Bellinger and Yelich out of baseball, in fact, you can make the argument he may have been the best player in baseball that year, especially knowing that they won the World Series. Anthony Rendon was that good of a ball player that year. I mean, and like especially just seeing them actually reach the pinnacle, win the World Series that year. 
especially after losing Bryce Harper. But like that's besides the point with like and Anthony Rendon. It's just like he signs the big contract, but it's like it's not even that he got hurt. It's just like it's it's honestly sad to see because I was always been a, like kind of a fan of him. But like he's, it's like when he does play, it just the pop just isn't isn't the same when he played with Washington. And I just don't know if it's because like all the constant on and off the IR, but but like it's just like uh, Anthony Rendon as a whole like I want to see him turn it around and he had like glimpses this year. I saw a game in Cleveland this year. He had one off the wall. He had a really good game that game, uh, and uh, it just I want to see him turn it around. But like he's been hurt constantly, and then Mike Trout too. He's hurt right now too, and uh, you said something about them trying to win. It's like the Mets. Like, they're like the Mets of the other side. Like, you go out, you got Rendon that one year. You extend David Fletcher after his, like, you know, all-star caliber season. And, and you know, it's just, it's honestly a shame because, they like you said, they try. But it just, for some reason, it just doesn't get pieced together. Like, even picking up Brandon Drury, Hunter Renfro this year. Those are good signings, and that's why they're better than they are last year. But then all of a sudden you get these players. You get production out of Renfro. You get production out of Drury. But guess what? Mike Trout's hurt. Anthony Rendon's hurt. Like you're, they're literally relying on Shohei Otani and how he's been doing this year. So, um, in my opinion, I think I think that you know they are you know pretty. I I don't want to count them out completely yet. Anything can happen. Like I think they're in better position than how like the Mets have been. Especially knowing they're six out and you know the Angels aren't, but at the same time losing Mike Trout and losing Anthony Rendon, even though he hasn't been amazing, it just uh, kind of hurts the team. And it's a shame because you're actually getting production out of Drury and Renfro this year. You're getting production out of you know a lot of your minor players. So yeah, uh, honestly though, there's no one is no one's taking that division other than the Rangers though this year. And we talked about it on the podcast earlier. But that team's legit this year, and uh, I I I said earlier that they were for real, and like, they're they're not they're actually proving me right. I actually had a good take for it. So sometimes I'm on, sometimes I'm off. I, I guess I've been on for that one, and I I'm gonna stay with the take. They're taking that division too. I think Houston could heat up, but like, at the end of the day, they just they've just been that good. No, okay. So a disclaimer for you: the Houston's only two games back right now. I'm still taking you're, Texas. You're taking okay, no, I'm just saying, like, I just, like, I know that Houston, they off to a slow start, too, but they're, like, they're within striking distance. So I just, I just want to throw out, throw that out there, though. But just going back to the Angels' point, like, you reminded me, it's the Anthony Rendon thing, it's not exactly, like, cut and dry to what happened earlier, but it just reminds me of when they, tra- they traded for Josh Hamilton, and um, he was coming off an MVP caliber year with Texas in 2012. He had 43 home runs, 128 RBIs. Bad two eighty five. That's a really that's a great year. But I mean, he never really materialized for the Angels either. Ended up only playing three seasons. His first year wasn't very good by his standards, and then he barely played the next two years, and he was pretty much done. So I just say all that to say that Anthony Rendon, for for a three year stretch, has made one hundred and seven million dollars, and all he has to show for it is a one war. Thirty-four million dollars a year, on average. I mean, that's just that's just not going to get it done. And it's not it's not his fault. I'm not saying that, but I mean, 
when you pay someone that much money for and like that's that's not just for three years. They they have them locked up for longer than three years. And this is why I go back to this all the time. This is why you don't give guys who are over the age of thirty ten year deals. I'm sorry, you just can't do it. And like you're seeing, like they they just don't they they nine times out of ten they almost never end up living up to the contract. They just don't. Now, if he was 26, I think that would make more sense. But, like, giving a 31, 30, 32-year-old guy a, a, a seven-year contract, 245, they're still going to be paying for his salary three years from now. So you can cut him if you want. But, I mean, it's just it's, – it's dire straits in L.A., in Anaheim, to be exact. Quite frankly, if I were the Angels, depending on how these next couple, couple weeks go, if you feel like you're out of it – I would like clean house. I would trade Shohei. I would trade Mike Trout. I don't know that that's that's probably not likely because he's hurt. But I mean, I would like consider doing a rebuild because like it's just not clearly their plan and the players they have in place right now. It's just not good enough to win right now, and I don't think it ever will be as long as you have that same core. And I, you know, rebuilds are no fun. I'm a Pirates fan, I know, but I think the Angels. I think they just need to like just blow it up, start from scratch. Like replenish the farm system, get 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 prospects in, um, and you know see where you go from there. Um, I don't know. Like I just, they're like they're they're that team, the Angels. They're in that no man's land space. You're not terrible, but you're not a good team either. You're mediocre, and like you're you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. So um, that's 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 very bleak. I'd rather be terrible than be mediocre, because at least you know where you stand. But if you're mediocre. Like it's just you. You have nowhere to go, so. So yeah, I think like if if it were up to me, I wouldn't blow it up yet, uh, just because like I it depends on what happens next year with the off season to me, because you're having players like Mickey Moniak who's like now starting to really come into his own this year. He's having an incredible season, and I well if so Mike Trout too. Like yeah, he missed some of last year. He still had over 40 home runs last year too. I'm not going to count him out either. Like I and he throughout his career he's been durable too. So I'm just going to bank on Mike Trout just being Mike Trout. He's just a generational talent. Anthony Rendon on the other hand, like I just I just don't know because like you have to keep him because of the contract. If you buy him out, that's just going to be another hassle. So, like, I'd keep him at this point. That's the one good thing about not having any salary cap in baseball. But, like, at the same time with, with Anthony Rendon, like, I don't know. Like, when you think about why they signed him, like, he really he really made the best out of his last year on contract with the Nationals. He was, you know, I think third in, third or, third in MVP voting, I believe. Yeah, he was. He was third in MVP voting. And on top of that, like, the Angels had to give him a lot of money because he wanted to go back. I'm pretty sure he wanted to go back to Texas. Texas was really in in the running to get him because he's from Texas. He's right down the street from Arlington. And on top of that, he went to Rice, too. So he wanted to go to Texas. It was the only way the Angels could get him was to give him that money. And... They bought into it, and that's the thing. And it just it's it's one of those things where you know they try to win, and they've made right moves. Like they got show, they won the thing to get Shohei Otani. I mean, they drafted Mike Trout, uh, getting Renfro and Drury. Those are good signings. Ma- making the trade for Brandon Marsh for Mickey Moniak. I mean, what a trade! 
Uh, Reed Detmers right now, like he's a good pitcher. That was a good draft pick right there. You also have, you know, Patrick Sandoval, who looks like he has potential. It's just something's just not clicking with the team. And uh, it just, whenever you, it, it's kind of like the Mets, like you have all these players, but there's just some things, some players don't have production. Some players are out for the year. Like it just, it's one of those things. And, um, yeah, that being said, that's my TED talk on the Angels. Uh, going back to the Rangers and Astros, uh, I did mention, like, I said, like, they're my pick still to win the division. But, like, the Astros, like, the Astros are the Astros. They can win whenever they want. But, like, with Jordan being on and off the IL and stuff like that, I just think the Rangers have been such a consistent team. And if they could really attack during the trade deadline, get another get another starter. Like, even then, though, like, if if you look, I mean, Dane Dunning, his ERA is under, is under 250. Uh, same with Nathan Navaldi has a crap ton of strikeouts. Uh, John Gray, we were just talking about it before the podcast started. Like he actually had some good years for Colorado in in the most hitting ballpark and like the probably the worst pitching ballpark in the league. And like he's proving his worth this year. I mean his ERA is under 3.30 this year. And even Andrew Heaney's been a good fourth guy. Martin Perez, not so great. Uh, Will Smith's been good in the bullpen. Uh, I think they need a couple more bullpen arms, but like if you look Texas on the other hand, I read some things down. So they have they're batting two seventy four, which is tied for the Braves in average. They've had four hundred and ninety two RBIs, five hundred and thirteen runs, which is first and and eight hundred and thirty nine hits, which is first in all of those. And then if you look at like just some of the production, like Leody Tavares is having a breakout year. Highly touted prospect, good speed, good defense, good power. He's batting over 300. Same with Ezekiel Duran as well, who could literally play anywhere. And then you have Corey Seager batting 355, Marcus Semien 277, 11 home runs. And then Adolis Garcia with 71 RBIs this year, just driving all those players in. I just like, yeah, their their depth is just out of this world and don't forget, too, Jonah Himes, the starting catcher, and Josh Young is also the starting third baseman this year for the uh, for the All-Star game. So Josh Young, uh, I believe he's a rookie, too. I think he could run away with Rookie of the Year. So it's just, yeah, it's looking good for Texas right now. Houston, on the other hand, they're catching fire. Only two games back. Jose Abreu starting to get a swing back. Um, uh, like Jose Abreu, he didn't get his first home run until May. Now he's starting to play a little bit better. Kyle Tucker's starting to play a little bit better. Jose Altuve starting to heat up a little bit. So they just, yeah, they're they're not out of it. I think both those teams make the playoffs, though. Those are two playoff teams, regardless of when the division. I just think that the Rangers are going to stay the course. They haven't had any injury issues. So if I had to pick, I'd probably go with the Rangers. But like I said, it also, like, trade deadline, we've seen teams, like, just change drastically there. Like, when the when the Dodgers got Adrian Gonzalez at the trade deadline, for example, like that that team was turned upside down. So you just never know what can what can happen at the deadline, and uh, it could really make or break a team. Like even with the Atlanta Braves back in 2021, that team was nowhere near a, like uh, like anywhere close to a World Series. Uh, obviously, they were a playoff team, but like you get Jorge Soler and he you trade you, you trade for him, struggling on the Royals, he ends up being the World Series MVP. So, like I said, it's make or break at the deadline. Uh, as in terms of who's going to run away with that division, it just depends on whatever happens at the trade deadline, in my opinion. But I, as of now, I'd probably go with the Rangers there. 
No, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, as far as baseball goes, I think we pretty much touched upon all the major uh, things going on happening right now. I mean, uh, the Pirates, I guess, just for the local perspective, uh, they lost again yesterday in epic fashion, as they usually tend to do to the Dodgers. Um, what else is there to say? They're just not playing good. I mean, I don't know what else to tell people. Uh, they're, they're not a good team. I said that when we did our podcast uh, predictions with Ben, uh, I said seventy. they were going to win 70 games, and I think they're still going to win 70 games. But I just like, – the, the mass hysteria, when they started out, uh, like, they swept the Red Sox, and they I think they won the, season, uh, the series against the Reds or something like that. And then it was just like it was ridiculous. And it was just like two series, and people were oh bucko fever. It was just it was just like we have to like keep expectations in check, especially for a team that's rebuilding. And I think I don't think people I don't want to generalize, but I think people got caught up in like the twenty and eighth start, and you know the Brian Reynolds contract extension, and Derek Shelton got extended, and you know. Rightfully so. I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan. Like, if you're excited, you're excited. Like, I don't. That's that's your right to be a fan. But, I mean, I knew there there was going to be regression at some point. Anyone that think thought they were going to play at that pace the entire year is fooling themselves. And just to see it crash and burn so quickly, that's probably the most disappointing part. But I mean, I I expected some regression. I thought it'd be like slow throughout the year. But I mean, it, it's it's all come crashing down. I mean. The offense is inconsistent. Uh, I mean, outside of McCutcheon, really, you really can't rely on anyone to really do anything. Um, okay, I'll, I'll throw in Sawinski because uh, he's hitting a lot of home runs at, at a high level. I have to give him credit for that. Brian Reynolds, I mean, he's batting like two seventy one. I I expect a little bit a little bit better than that. But I mean, the power. I know you homered yesterday, but, but I mean, the power has been non-existent since the first week of the season. Um, you know, it doesn't help that Antonio Cruz has pretty much hardly played this year. Um, first, Carlos Santana, you know, he's, he's he's an older guy. He's had his bright moments, but he's also gone on massive slumps as well. Uh, the offense is what it is. It's not very good. I mean, outside of, like, a few guys you can count on for the most part, it's, it's suspect at best. And, like, the rotation outside of Keller is just really inconsistent. <laughs> and, I, and part of that's youth. Uh, I understand that, and I don't know what to tell you. It's just the bull, the bullpen's okay. I mean, that's how the Bednar. I mean, who do you really trust? I really can't say a lot of guys. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's it's not an ideal situation right now. I mean, they're like on a 75-76 win pace. So if you told me that at the beginning of the year, they'd win 75 or 76 games, I would say, okay, I'll take that. But it, it's just been like – frustrating to see how it's unfolded here you start out so fast and then like you lose 10 in a row whatever it was and you had that awful may where like no one hit and i think once again part of the pro i know like i'm talking a very long time i'll I'll turn it over to you though but i mean once again connor joe like g1 bay um austin hedges rodolfo cash rodolfo cash i can name guys on all day long but those guys aren't starters they just aren't yeah, they 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 have. I I don't want to say they have no business being a starter, but if you put those guys on a contending team, those guys would probably be the twenty fourth or twenty fifth best guy on their roster, and that's being kind. Like it, it's and it's not. It's no disrespect towards any of those guys. Um, they're pros for a reason. They have some talent, but it's not. It's not starting talent. It's just not. 
And um, Connor Joe was a solid bench player in Colorado. Uh, the numbers were good. But when you play every day, you get exposed, and he's been exposed. Rodolfo Castro, I think it's safe to say he's not really an everyday guy. Um, he can't play shortstop. Uh, that, that's just fact. Um, Austin Hedges, uh, spare me the, the pitch framing talk. The, the Pirates have had a team array of five since May, so clearly what he's doing isn't working that well. So I don't, I don't want to hear that argument either. Um, yeah, so he's not even giving batting over 200 either, which is, like, absurd. I, I understand catchers aren't really supposed to be great hitters, but you can do better than 170. I'm sorry. That's just reality. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's just no point in getting mad over it. Like, they're just not a good team. Like, I don't, I don't know what else to say. So... Yeah, no, they're really not. Like, especially after talking about Texas and Houston, then going to the Pirates. Like, you can you can kind of just see the the polarization. Uh, the only thing that's really keeping them in the playoffs is the fact that they're in that division, especially with how the Cardinals have been playing and how they've had literally zero pitching the entire season. In fact, like I can't. It's actually mind blowing that they're actually worse than the Pirates this year. But uh, my thing with the Pirates. It's just the same mold with, like, the whole management and stuff. Uh, first things first, I will say this. They have had a lot of injuries. I mean, they signed Yarlan Garcia, who's a solid relief pitcher. He's actually built himself up a pretty solid career out for the year. Uh, he's probably going to be out for the year. Uh, you have O'Neill Cruz have that slide, which I, I could get into the, the slide. It just wasn't a good slide. That's all I'll say about it. But, like, now he's out too, and it's a shame because, like, He's probably, other than Sawinski, the best power bat that the, they'd probably have in the lineup. And and it's just like, yeah. And then also, another one is G-Man Choi. He's been hurt. Like, if G-Man Choi is there, you, you don't see Connor Joe every day. You don't see Rodolfo Castro every day. Like, those are platoon players. Now they have to play every day because G-Man Choi is hurt. So, uh, just, um, but, like, what's going to be weird is going to be when G-Man Choi comes back now. Because he's going to be back any day pretty soon. So, like, what does the team do? Because Henry Davis has been performing. Nick Gonzalez has been barreling the ball, seeing the ball great. You you can't send one of those players down. And it's just like, and I just know they're going to send one of those two down. I just know it. It's, and it's just like, it, the obvious pick would be to cut ties with Hedges or just to send down Castro. But I just there's just something in the back of my mind that's gonna say, oh, like yeah, we're gonna send down Henry Davis, or we're gonna send down because like I don't know, or Triola too's been good. Like I just think like you just can't send down one of those players. But I just know that it's gonna be Triolo, it's gonna be Triolo, Davis, or uh, Eric, uh, not Eric Gonzalez. Um, Gonzalez. What's his name? Nick Gonzalez. Oh Those are going to be one of the three that gets sent down, and it's going to be an absolute shame. But, like, yeah. I, I just think as a whole, the Pirates team, at least it's better than last year. Like, But at the same time, it's kind of been same old. Um, Carla, uh, Rodolfo Castro about a 176 last month. I mean, it was probably one of the worst. Like, just go from going to a lot of games, just eye test probably, like, the worst stretch I've ever watched a player have. I don't know if it's because I saw Castro have a good tail end of the year and saw him start off the season batting 276 with six home runs. I think it's just doing that then all of a sudden, like just like dropping off a cliff. But I don't know. That's that's and then Austin Hedges. I mean, he's not even batting 180 right now. Um, 
It's crazy. He got his average up to upper 170s, though. Upper 170s. So the thing is, like, when Hedges first came into the league, like, he, he actually started off pretty good hitting-wise, and he just, like, kind of sunk. But, like, I just think, like, this year it's just not working out for him. And, like, yeah. It's just, like, he's, it, it, they're not even major league at-bats. Like, that that's the thing about it. And it just, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a shame to see. Um, but, yeah. I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure, but I just he's just not like a major league player right now, and it just yeah. I do want to preface, so I I call out Connor Joe Hedges. I I don't hate those guys. Like that's not what I'm saying, but they're just not they're just not big league caliber everyday good players. They're, they're just not. not. They're not. And like like you said, some of these at bats, I've watched the games with Tony. Like these guys just swing away at every pitch. It, it, like they don't even work the count. Especially like, Castro this year. Yeah, I mean it's just like swing away, swing away, and they're like not even strikes. They're balls in the dirt. Like it's just like come on, and it's just like one of those things. Like, and then you have I didn't even mention, like you have Velasquez, who was you had a solid start to the year. One of your starters, he's gonna be out for the year too. Yeah, and he's then, another one that got hurt. And then Rich Hill is. You know, Rich Hill, he's, he's, he'll give you a good start here and there, and then he'll, like, blow up. And Oviedo and Ortiz, like, they're, they're the same. Like, they'll give you a good start, two good starts, and they'll give you two bad starts. There's no consistency. And Ronzi Contreras, to me, he might be – I don't want to – this might be a stretch, but he might be the most disappointing pirate this year, just considering, like, last yeah. year. Last year was solid. Like, you, you, saw, you saw the upside. And then this year, outside of his – the month of April, he's been terrible all year. Even in the bullpen, he's been bad. And, like, I looked last night on Baseball Reference uh, after they got they lost yesterday. Um, he's ERA since April's 8. Like, that's just not that's just not going to work, man. That's not a major league pitcher. It's not. It's and, ga- and, and, and another thing, too, I saw. Sorry to cut you off. No, you're fine. Have you, did you notice his velocity yesterday? It, it's it, – it, 90, it went from 99 earlier in the year to 92. That's right. He's throwing, his, his fastest pitch last year was 93. Or last last night was ninety three. That's a red flag. That's 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 all. It's a red flag. And like his slider too. Like his slider's low eighties now. Like yeah, he used to get that thing almost up to ninety. Right. And I like just... it's just like for a major league hitter, seeing an eighty two slider. Like here's the thing: if you throw an eighty eight slider and it's like over the plate, it's tough to hit. But if you're throwing an eighty two, like it's gonna get smashed. And yeah, you saw smashed. did you see what David Peralta did last oh, night? Was... I mean he put that ball like ten feet in, uh, like ten rows into the stands and like four oh six to dead right. So like I know four oh six is in the farthest home run, but when you're hitting into dead right and you're pulling it and all your power's going that way, that's a that's a poke. That's a poke. Yeah, it's, and there's uh... a reason why baseball stadiums are designed that way, because you get the most power going straight ahead. But like, yeah, it just um it just I agree. Rowanzi Contreras has been the biggest disappointment this year, and uh, I personally think he has good stuff. But what I saw last night was not good stuff. No, like usually, but usually he does. I would say at, at this point, I think you have to pull Alec Manoa with him. I think you have to send him away for a couple months, have him regain his confidence because that's clearly shot. I mean, it's 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 just not there. And I think maybe in September, if you want to call him back up. Maybe have him in the bullpen, do an inning here or there, and just like maybe going to next year, build up his confidence, have him start the bullpen next year too. And if if he if he's shown that he's gotten like out of this funk that he's in for whatever reason it may be, maybe you put him back in the rotation. But he he can't start right now. Like he's he's not a starter right now. He's just not. And I I don't know what happened. Um, he's he's not even a major league right now. The way he's pitching, he should be DFA'd. But 
he's 23 years old. So, and, and I saw what he did last year and what he did in that very short sample size in 2021. Like, you have to keep him around and figure it out. Like, it's not really an option. Like, you don't, it's not like you have a, a litany of pitchers and trip away to call up to replace him. Like, you have to figure it out with him and hope that he gets back on track. And it might be another Mitch Keller situation. I mean, if you remember, Mitch Keller wasn't very good his first couple of years. I mean, people were calling him a bust. People were getting getting ready to get rid of him. Sometimes it takes years. I'm not saying this is going to be for Contreras, but some guys, just they're just slower to get, to get it going. And um, I think you have to be patient. As frustrating as it is to watch him pitch right now, it's not very good. It's actually really bad, actually. But I think he has enough talent where he can like overcome this, and hopefully it's sooner rather than later. And it's still with the Pirates, too, that he overcomes this. So. Yeah, it's just like um, it's just a shame to see to see some like uh, to see someone with a fastball that fast. Like I literally played high school with someone that threw harder than that, and well, he played for LSU, so obviously he was a stud. But it's just like I'm not obviously I can't hit Renzi Contreras, but I'm just saying it's a it's a shame to see someone go from like ninety from like upper nineties to someone that is like not even the same velo as a college pitcher. And like his strong suit is because of his velocity. That's one of his strong suits is velocity, mm. and like he doesn't have it right now. And like I don't know. The only good news is he's 23 years old. Let's think about it. Dallas Keuchel when he first came into the league, he he was you know older than Rowan Z. Contreras obviously, and he was not that good. And there was a lot. Of, there's like the list goes on of pitchers that weren't good when they first came into the league, including Jake Arrieta, who literally didn't hit his like have his first good season until he was in his late 20s, early 30s. And another player is Jacob deGrom, who, like, literally didn't debut till 26. So what I'm saying is, like, obviously what Justin said, you can't DFA the guy, but you he cannot be pitching right now in, in the major leagues. Like, you cannot, like... He 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 threw BP last night. <laughs> Literally, he threw he threw batting That's what practice. It was. Like, it, like it was a four two game, and he was like, "Hey, what's up, JD? You want to hit a three run homer to take the lead?" And literally left one right over the plate to you know arguably could be a Hall of Fame player in JD Martinez, and he just rocked him. So the thing is, like, he just can't be in the majors right now, and yeah, it just. Chase DeYoung, too. He's. Oh, I just wanted to mention him, too. Like, he had a really good year last year. I mean, his ERA, I think, was under three. But then this year, like, dumpster fire. Same with, like, the majority of the bullpen, sadly. I mean, my boy Johan Ramirez, though, he's one bright spot in the season. No, they they, they have a couple guys in the bullpen that they've had decent years. Him, um, uh, Dari Moreira. Moreira's been good. Yeah. Moreira for yeah. Newman was a great trade. Yeah. No, it was. It was. But, I mean, I, I, here's the silver line with the Pirates this year. So, really, at this point, all that really matters is, like, development of Henry Davis and Nick Gonzalez at this point. I mean, and then if, if you eventually call up Andy Rodriguez this year, too, I mean, I hope they do, but we'll see. But, I mean, let's say that Gonzalez and Davis, like, not that they'll hit 300 the rest of the year, but they they show you, like, legit signs of being an everyday starter. So you have two guys right there. You throw in Brian Reynolds, Jack Sawinski. You got Key Brian Hayes. Probably bring back McCutcheon next year, I would think. Uh, you know, maybe you get draft Dylan Cruz. Uh, I don't know. That's just hypothetical. And maybe any Rodriguez is actually a solid catcher. That's, that's seven or eight guys right there in your starting lineup. I like that lineup a lot. I think the potential's there to be be a very good lineup, but the problem is like we're talking about potential and not actual like production and I think that is the one positive spot. 
Like, I think the Pirates next year, if they actually, like, call up guys that can, like, actually hit the baseball and they can actually, like, fill out their bench with a Connor Joe, with uh, Palacios, with a Tucapita Marcano, guys that are actually good enough to be on the bench, not everyday guys. And I think if you can sign maybe a pitcher or two and hope that the guys that come up, like a Priester or a Solamento or something like that, comes up and pitches well, I think next year, I don't want to be this guy, but I think there is a scenario in a, a trillion multiverses out there that the Pirates can maybe be a wild card team next year. That's all I'm saying. But they have to, first of all, but a lot has to go right, and they also have to spend money too. Like that's, and they also have to draft and develop well. And that, that that's uh, those are three really big asks for the Pirates, as we all know. But I mean, if they can maybe do two out of three of those things, and hope that their prospects pan out, maybe next year is the year if they somehow make the playoffs. I'm not setting that in stone. Don't quote me on this, but I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, and I do want to add too. Um... I've been impressed with Jack Sawinski's power lately. He's tied his home run total last year already. And defensively, he's been great too, especially if you look at his um, it just his war stat as a whole. I mean, he's like one of the top guys on the team. I think he's at 2.9 war, which is honestly pretty solid, especially halfway through the season. Uh, and I also want to say too, Carlos Santana uh, started terribly this year. But I was looking at the stats – uh, and I said this before he went on his, like, recent tear in June. And um, Carlos Santana last year was traded from uh, Kansas City to Seattle in, like, around June. He had four home runs, and then he finished with 15 home runs to end the season from June on. This year, going into June, he had three home runs. He has nine now. So my thing is, like, Carlos Santana has been a, a second-half player for the past couple years, and – uh I just wanted to say, like, I've liked the production lately out of Carlos Santana. But at the same time, like, the fact that, you know, Santana and McCutcheon have still been, like, their two best players is just shouldn't be the case. But hopefully, like, Henry Davis, Nick Gonzalez, Jack Sawinski, they all keep it up. Um, hopefully Brian Reynolds can find his power again. Hopefully Key Brian Hayes can not win just a gold glove but can hit as well. Uh, so, yeah, that that's just my food for thought on them. And uh, I don't want to talk for too much, but uh, we're we're talking about like teams of the future. So obviously, I could say that the Orioles are set for years. I mean, you got Gunnar Henderson, you have Grayson Rodriguez, two of your pros- best prospects coming up already. Adley Rutschman too, um, and then you also have Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, Ryan Mountcastle. I mean, these guys aren't even thirty years old yet. So they just called up uh, Colton Cowser. Yesterday too, he's like one of the best prospects in baseball. He's batting over three hundred in the farm. Yeah, their, their farm system's deep, man. It's they're gonna be good. Like, uh, you know, once again, though, it's gonna come down to like, is their ownership gonna actually spend money to build around that team and, and lock up those guys long term? It's gonna have to come down to that because because they if they can do that, they can be good for a very long time. I do believe that, and hopefully, um, Grayson Rodriguez. He's he's been off to a rough start in the majors so far. But, I mean, the potential is there to be a front-line ace starter. Like, it's there. So, hopefully, year two, maybe not this year, like, he, he, he comes in, is a lot better. And, um, yeah, who knows, man. And, like, Adam Frazier, like you mentioned, the veteran leadership there, he's been he's been solid this year, has more home runs than I think he's ever had with the Pirates. That's, that's, he's that's, nine already. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's a half joke, but it's kind of half the truth, too. But, I mean, yeah, they're a solid lineup. They're good. Um, you know, 
And I really don't have anything else to say other than they're a really good team. I mean, that's... Ruan Urias, too. Like, I mean, they're just like Jorge Mateo. They're just a pretty stacked team. Even pitching, like, Tyler Wells has been great this year. And, like, John Means has been, like, hurt and stuff. But, like, even he, when he's healthy, is really good. And, like, he's locked in, too. So, but I, I do want to... I was going to lead to another team, too. So, obviously, I could get into the Diamondbacks. We've talked about them a lot this year, though. Corbin Carroll... Obviously, rookie of the year right now, but I I think this one's crazy. But just seeing how they're playing is the Cincinnati Reds. No, the Reds. That's a it's a good choice. Because like you have you know Spencer Steer. I mean he's he has 14 home runs already. He's batting 290. Uh, you have Jonathan India, who's one of the best second basemen in baseball. Jake Fraley, still young. He's starting to you know really hit his stride. Matt McClain came out of nowhere. You have one of the best catchers in the NL in Tyler Stevenson. And, like, TJ Friedel, too, is batting over 300. And Will Benson, they got from the Guardians for nothing. He was one of their, you know, higher prospects. He was great in Columbus for AAA. I'm surprised they even pulled him. But, like, that's just, like, just to name a couple players. And then, like, if you look at the top of their pitching, Graham Ashcraft, well, I mean, he's not having a good year, but his – he throws really, really hard, and I think like he had one start. He's his ERA is terrible this year. It's like Contreras, but I think if he could turn it around, like he has the stuff to be pretty solid. Hunter Green's another one. I mean, he's starting to pitch really good. Uh, Luke Weaver, he's still not too old. Like he's not even thirty yet. So my point is like they have like a lot of people like Nick Ladella too. He's not been pitching good at all. But like they have these guys, they're all young pitchers. So my thing is like their hitting's been their strong suit, especially in that in that ballpark. But my point is that if they could just keep that rotation intact, and if they just have that potential, like if they fulfill that potential, I think the Reds can be you know a powerhouse in this division, which is you know crazy to say. Heading into the year, I thought they were going to be in a deep deep rebuild. Right now, they're the best team in the, in the NL Central right now. Like um. I still think, like, Milwaukee and stuff like that could, like, just because of their rotation with Brandon Woodruff, you know, Freddie Peralta. I mean, their rotation is is pretty strong and stuff. But their, their lineup on paper, I mean, it's not even that much better than the Pirates. And that that's a problem because the Cincinnati Reds right now statistically are the best team in the NL Central. And uh, it's crazy to think about because I don't know if it's, like, the division's just that bad, or like it, it might be a combination of the division's bad in that the Reds are just playing good baseball right now. No, yeah, I agree. I uh, listen, like teams like the Reds and Pirates, you, you have to realize when your opportunity to, to win is. And I think you're seeing it now. The Cardinals have had a an abysmal year, they've had an awful year by their standards. The Brewers, while they are above 500, I'm not really thrilled with their, I think their team's really not that good either. Their pitching has been like what's kept them afloat, but but and then you have you know the I'm missing a third team, the Cubs. Yeah, they're under 500 too, and you know so I think this is like a perfect opportunity for the Reds to win a division this year, and if you can build upon that, and you know who knows where you can go from there. But once again, the Reds they've had a track record of not paying their players outside of Joey Votto, of course. They need to spend money too. Like it's just build upon what you started, and like. It's amazing when these small market teams. I understand there's there's some limitations to spending money with like getting big free agents, but when they actually try to win and they, they put a, a watchable product on the field, people will show up. It, it's a crazy concept, I know, right? The Pirates, 
when they had those three years, broke attendance records year after year. The Reds, they're in first place in the division. They've had packed houses ever since. Like, I can remember the past couple of years, the Reds had no one go to the games, and now they have fans. Like, it, it, it's the easiest cure in sports. You win games, fans show up. It's really that simple. And I think the Reds, they need to build upon that. And uh, hopefully they do because it, that team is really fun to watch. Um, Ellie De La Cruz is a carbon copy of O'Neill Cruz, except he might be a tad bit more talented, and that's not a shot at O'Neill Cruz. He, he was just a really good prospect. Was thought of as the best prospect in baseball this year. And, um, yeah, they, they have some real players. And um, But I do want to, like, briefly mention, so the A's have been getting a lot of flack this year for being awful, and I understand that. But the Royals, just for fun fact, the Royals are only a half game ahead of the A's for the worst record in baseball. So I just want people to realize that while everyone's been clowning the A's because they've gotten rid of all their good players, the, the Royals have been rebuilding for like five years now, and they're still nowhere even remotely close to being a competitive team. So I'm just saying, like, I understand crushing Oakland, going to Vegas. I, I get that, but I mean – like, the fact that no one's mentioned how bad the Royals have been has been, honestly been astonishing to me because they've been awful this year. Awful. They've been that bad. It, and, like, it goes to show that it's like when your number one guy, Brady Singer, is having the worst year of his career. Brad Keller, not doing so hot. Uh, another one, Jordan Lyles, I think was 0-10 at a point. 0-10. If those are your top three pitchers, like – that, that it's not good. Like uh, Justin's looking up the stats right now. The team, like, and the, this is um MJ Melendez too, and Bobby Witt. Those are your two top prospects. They're both in the they're both in the game right now. But like, they're Bobby Witt and Melendez have potential, but they're not like gonna blow you away yet right now. Nick Prada is another one. He came up last year. Uh, he looked really good to start, but like, hopefully he pans out too. But he hasn't been like proven that like this guy's like going to be a star in the MLB yet so yeah right now it's an absolute mess there um oh crap I accidentally hit my uh, <laughs> mic but yeah it just uh I think the A's are just it, it's tough to say who's in better shape it, it's like uh like both teams are are trying to put like a band-aid it's like trying to put a band-aid on like a bullet wound right now for both teams so it's just like it's pretty rough. I would argue the A's are in better shape because if they go to Vegas, the value of the team will sh- sh- shoot up through the roof. Yeah, and they'll 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 probably also try to win too because they're they're in a bigger market. And Vegas, regardless of the A's, still suck while in Vegas. It's just Vegas, so there's there's more allure there. Uh, there's more grandeur. Uh, we saw with the Golden Knights what they've done in their their expansion team. The, the Raiders have been, like, borderline playoff uh, caliber teams since they've moved. So I think the, the A's will make some more of an attempt to actually win. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a shame what they did to their fan base in Oakland. But, I mean, that, that that's business for you. The owners really don't care about fans. Um, they really don't. It's, it's, about the, it's about the bottom line dollar. So, But, I mean, just going back to the Royals real quick, their best hitter is Michael Garcia. He's batting two ninety six. Uh, Bobby Whip compared to last year is kind of having a down year. Um, their pitching rotation is horrific. I mean, their team ERA is five point two nine. Um, their best starter is probably Daniel Lynch, and that's not really saying much. You got uh, Brad Keller, who's supposed to be a, a piece. Uh, he's on the IL. <laughs> 
Brady Singers had a terrible year, like we mentioned. Worst year of his career. Jordan Lyles. He's supposed to be his best. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Lyles is 1-11 with an ERA almost 7. Zach Greinke is pretty much on his last leg as a pitcher in baseball. Has an ERA of 5.44. Uh, listen, they, they're, they're, their future is bleak. I mean, and that's crazy to think because they've been rebuilding for a long time now. And their, their best prospect was Bobby Witt. And, I mean... He's been okay so far, like in his in his career. But I mean, if that's the only guy you have you have the show for in all these years of rebuilding, that's a problem. And um, to me, that 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 tells you you haven't drafted and developed well, and they haven't. And there's a reason why. Prior to 2015, the Royals were bad for 30 years. They they they're just not outside of those two years. They're just not a good franchise. And I and that might be a, a hot take. I don't know if that is, but they're just not a good franchise. And like I. They caught fire in 2014 to 2015. I'll give them credit for that. They had, they had, they had a solid core, but they haven't been able to replicate it since. And it's just like, um, once again, it's. I think it's it's a, it's a solid fan base, but I mean, why would you go to the, why would you go to watch them lose every night? There's just no incentive to do so. All you're doing is putting more money into the pockets of the owners. So, and it's like one of those things that too, like there's just teams that don't pr- develop talent right. The Pirates. The Royals and then the Mariners. And what they all have in common is they want a massive droughts, including the Mariners too. Like uh, I know you have Julio Rodriguez this year, but it, even if you look at the Mariners team, Teoscar Hernandez was a Blue Jay. Ty France came up with the Padres. J.P. Crawford came up with the Phillies. Eugenio Suarez came up with um, the Reds. Luis Castillo came up with the Reds. Marco Gonzalez came up with the Cardinals. Literally, all these players that they have. Are are players that they other than Jared Kalnick and Julio Rodriguez were players that you know they got elsewhere and you know the Royals were kind of the same way too getting Lorenzo Cain but it was kind of like they caught lightning in a bottle you got Perez you had Eric Hosmer uh, you get Lorenzo Cain who ends up being a stud who came out of you know the Milwaukee Brewers and uh, who else Mike Mustakis was another one so what happened was. They actually had some players that just hit the mark, and obviously they haven't had a player hit the mark in quite some time. Because like <laughs> we've been saying, it, it it was weird. Like in 2019 to 2021, they like went out and got like Carlos Santana and stuff like that, and like it looked like that they were like trying to put like a, an okay product on the field, especially with Jorge Soler having the 48 home run season in 2019. But yeah, and it's just like. They're just one of those teams that are just known for not developing talent. And it just so happened they caught lightning in a bottle in 2015. Similar to the Pirates when they went on their 2013 to 2015 stage where McCutcheon and Starling Marte and, you know, Garrett Cole and signing A.J. Burnett. So, yeah, the only difference is the Royals won the World Series and the Pirates got screwed by the Major League Baseball because of the wild card game. But, yeah. That's all I have for uh, for my talk on teams developing talent. Um, teams that develop talent extraordinarily well. Obviously, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, even though they're not doing good this year, St. Louis always kills it with that. Uh, they're just teams that develop prospects better. Even the New York Yankees develop prospects. Like, Aaron Judge was not supposed to be what he is right now. I mean, he was barely a first-round pick. He ends up 
being unbelievable. Anthony Volpe already has 12 home runs. Like he's he came up for the Yankee system. Um, not to forget like Derek Jeter from way back in the day. So like they've obviously have a good market too. Like they don't just spend money; they actually develop talent as well. So yeah, like that. That's why you'll always see the Yankees and the Dodgers because like you're seeing it with the Mets and the Angels right now. They spend money, but they're not winning. The Dodgers and the Yankees bring people through their system, and they spend money. And that's why they'll always, always, always be in the playoffs. So, And the Astros, too, have just been a hub for the past 10, 15 years right now, all the way going back to when Hunter Pence came up. Like, you had Springer, you had Correa, you had Jose Altuve, and now, even this year, Jordan Alvarez, you have Kyle Tucker, Christian Javier, Fran Perfaldez. Do you want me to go on? Like, it, it's it's just like there's teams that do it and teams that don't, and that's why you're not going to see true change because even though, like, yeah, the Reds might be a playoff team this year, the cream's going to rise to the top. You're going to see the Astros. You're going to see the Braves. You're going to see the Yankees. And, and what all the – maybe the Yankees anyway because their division's good. But, like, the cream rises to the top. The Rays, another team, develops talent. But, like, yeah. That's just my point is at the end of the day, the the top, the top people are the people that develop talent. It's not just a spending fest. And the reason why the Yankees and Dodgers can stay there is while they're developing talent, they can also pay for players. And then on that off year, you saw the Dodgers win in 2020. So, Yeah, I think there needs to be a salary cap, though. Like You need, you need to make teams like the Royals and Pirates spend an X amount of money. I, I just think you do. And until that happens, you're just going to have this imbalance in baseball where the Yankees and Dodgers will be able to spend money while simultaneously developing young players. And it's just a very flawed concept to have. The Astros are the only outlier to this. It's a very flawed concept to tear everything down, build it up from scratch, and hope to win a World Series. It just doesn't happen, unless you're the Astros, of course. That's, like, the rare exception. So, like... It just puts teams like the A's and Pirates and Royals, Royals and Guardians at a competitive disadvantage, and you can see, you can you can say that the owners should spend money too. I agree with that, but until changes are made, you, they're not going to feel forced to spend money, and um, it's just one of those things where um, the Royals are probably always going to be bad, and the Pirates. Yeah, they might be good for a couple of years, but they're probably gonna be bad again pretty soon. So it's just, it's a really screwed up and unfair system. But I mean, it is what it is. That's all I could say. And there's really nothing fans can do about it. You can boycott, do a reverse boycott the A's did, sell out your ballpark, and the owner just makes more money. Like it's just, it's one of those things. You're at a lose lose situation. You can't stop going to games because your team sucks. The owner is still going to rake in money. Like, it's just, it doesn't matter what you do. You can protest. You can get politicians involved. Afford, that just, it doesn't matter. You, there's nothing you can do. So, as just being a fan, you, you just hope that the owner that's in charge in your front office knows what the heck they're doing and they're committed to winning. And there's some teams out there, the Braves, Yankees, Dodgers, uh, Mets, although they're doing it, it's not going great this year. Those are some of the teams that are actually trying to win. Uh, and then you have other teams who we've pretty much talked about ad nauseum here on this podcast. 
that are doing the exact opposite. So it's just one of those things that baseball, I think, uh, it needs to be rec- rectified uh, sooner rather than later, though. But that that's just my TED Talk, I guess. Yeah, before we're getting close to like a good wrap-up point, I think, but I do want to say one thing, too, and it just has to do with money, too, and just Oakland as a whole. So I haven't looked into it too much, but I was thinking about it. San Francisco has the Golden State Warriors now, but they originally didn't want them back yet. Right. But then they started winning. Right. So, like, my question is, like, what would have happened to the Warriors if they didn't start winning? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's, like, a good good thought to have because, like, Oak, they were in Oracle, which was around – was built the same year as literally Milner Arena. So it's just, like, yeah, I don't know, just food for thought. I don't know. What, 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 what do you guys think? Is this a topic we should talk about eventually? I don't know. But it's just my thought. It's just, like – you know, oh, now that they want them because they win or something like that. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah. That's just ownership for you. Like, I feel bad for A's fans because there are some out there. But it's honestly impossible to be an A's fan because, like, even when they were good, like, you you, you literally had Matt Chapman and, and, and Matt Olson, and you had Sean Manaya and Chris Bassett all on the same team in 2019. And now it's just like none of them are there. And it's just like they got rid of all of them. And they didn't get a big return out of it. I mean, they traded, They got Christian Pache for Matt Olson. Like, it's just like, I don't know. It just blows my mind. And even even the year, like, they had a chance to really make a run. And they decided to trade Juventus Cespedes to get an extra pitcher and stuff. And it just, I think it was John Lester was in that it trade. It was. And it was just like. John Lester's a great pitcher, don't get me wrong, but you need bats in the lineup. And whenever they traded Ioannis Cespedes, they still made the playoffs, but they completely tailed off and were early casualties. So, yeah, that's just another team. They're just not properly run. And hopefully when they go to Vegas, like, you know, okay, so I feel bad for Oakland fans, but at the same time, Vegas will support this team. Uh, Vegas is the home of Bryce Harper, Chris Bryant, it's a big city. Like people, like people actually live in Vegas. People think it's just a gambling place. People actually support sports. Look at the Knights. They were the number one in attendance for like the second straight year. And uh, even the Raiders, I think, like I haven't looked at their attendance too much, but like they're supported too. So I think like the, I think baseball will be supported there. Uh, so yeah, that's just my food for thought on it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I've run out of, run out of things to talk about as far as baseball is. But, um, yeah, I think, I think it's a good point to start stop there for today. We talked a lot of baseball. I uh, wanted to get into basketball, but just didn't have, a, have the time. We'll probably do that ne- next time we do a podcast. So, probably talk about some free agency, stuff of that nature, though. But I am, like, my voice is, like, shot. But whatever. It's fine. I love talking sports. It doesn't matter. But um, that was our podcast for this week. Um Great doing the podcast as always with Tony. Just a reminder, find our show on podcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Wherever your podcast, just search for Zayden Stewart Podcast. Check out all of our past guest interviews and just podcasts in general. Uh, you'll get better content for hours, though. But for Antonio Rosetti, I'm Justin Stewart. We'll go do it again in the very near future, folks. Um, have a great rest of your day.